Hey, everybody. I'm entertainment journalist Drew Taylor. And I'm filmmaker Charles Hood. And we host Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. But right now, we're about to launch our first ever universe-expanding miniseries. That's right. Get ready for Light the Fuse presents The Directors. We'll speak to filmmakers who have made iconic Paramount movies and get them to open up in a way that only we can. That's right. Listen to Light the Fuse presents The Directors, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. That's right, after this. <laughs> There we go. Now reporting. Hey, Brendan, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Seriously. Uh, yeah, no pleasure. Um, uh, the film. Brendan, Brendan and I have a connection. Um, you do because yeah, he was he was in a movie. He was in a movie that I was one of the producers of. Called That's Dark. true. Called what? That's Dark. Dark. Yeah, spooky movie. It's yeah. a spooky movie. Sort of an arty um, psychological thriller. But when did you do this? Was it 2014, 2015, something like that. Yeah, it feels like five, yeah, five years ago or something. Yeah. Yeah. We also have another connection. Um oh. because I worked with Zach Galligan in a movie like maybe 15 years ago in New York City. And um it was actually quite a good film. It was like a little eighty thousand dollar mobile core type indie movie, and it was cute. Zach was great and a sweetheart. Yeah, he's a good guy. Has, has anybody here not worked with Zach Galligan? That's the, um, <laughs> the crazy. Yeah, no, I had now a he's doing Mountain Dew commercials, so he's making more money than I was did. wondering. Yes, with Gremlins, how? Because uh, <laughs> I, I directed him in a little horror movie about twenty years ago, and he was uh, he was delightful. Um, and uh, yeah, what? But what's the? I, I saw that the other night, Joe. Are you? Uh, oh, that's I, that's. Uh, he did that a long time ago. Um, that's uh, the I Mountain Dew they, commercial. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. that's almost a year old, I think. Oh, well, I had no idea. Um, I didn't know Gizmo drank Mountain Dew, but then he he kept a lot <laughs> from us during the shoot. <laughs> we didn't know about the drug habit or any of that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, yes, um, uh, cool. Well, and also, Brenda, I I, I want to say, and um, uh, you or your rep can tell me if I need to cut this. I I uh, I enjoyed <laughs> uh, I before, I enjoyed Don't Breathe Two more than the first one. Ooh, that's not controversial. Fair. That's uh, controversial. <laughs> you can't make a two unless there's a one. Well, they made a, the one. The ones. The ones terrific. The, the ones. The ones really well directed. And it's some really cool stuff that I wondered about. Like you know, I saw it in a theater. Like I can't imagine watching this on. You know, your TV would have to be perfectly calibrated because uh, there are oh, scenes in what right. appear to be perfect darkness in that film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also, the, the, yeah. I've never seen dark captured like that in a movie ever. On yeah, the first Don't Breathe. It was fascinating and i had to talk to the cinematographer about it when i first met him it was well, the, the second the second don't breathe is really well photographed i mean yep. it's I, oh I, yeah it's i just i just kept sort of gasping wow what a great composition jeez what a what, what, what great color what great, i mean it's it, it's really very very well made it's and beautiful it, cinematography Absolutely. and there's a there's a thing it does and i won't give away much uh because the movie's out now and um you know i i, I didn't Bit of an issue the first one with just sort of like where my loyalties were supposed to like is um 
at a certain point, I was just like, oh, just kill everybody. But um, <laughs> all, all I'll say about Don't Breathe 2 is it stands that on its ear in such a beautiful way. And I, I don't want to give anything, but it's like you, are, you your loyalties shift so often in this film and in such a yes. smart and fun way. Um, I just, I really love that. You always got to be, always got to be loyal to Stephen Lang. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's so good. I've worked with him too. Oh, uh, he's, 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 yeah. He's really and, and in so far as he doesn't do anything quite as awful on screen as at this one, that that's a trick I figured out very early. Like if, if you're watching Unforgiven and they actually show you Clint Eastwood murdering women and children, you're never getting over it. But he can say right. that I've killed women and children and everything that crawls, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> man, we love you, but you don't show it. <clears throat> but but yeah, it just it's it's such a it's a it's a smart film in a way that you don't expect that kind of movie to, you know, it's it's not just a roller coaster ride. Um, Thank you. And, yeah, even, and by even, the way, and by the way, you're terrific at it. I was going to say, and even and so, you're, you're so good. falling by the wayside there. Because because the uh, I'm again, I'm building up to it. The, yeah, the Bob, way turn me up. Let's go. Let's the the up. way you uh, uh, sort of the way you play your your first scene, um, it it plays as one thing, perfectly and disturbingly, and then it plays as something else when you know what's going. That's all I'm going to say. And yeah. it's yeah. that's that's tough to do. That is very tough to do. That's awesome. I, I'm sure that's- I. That's um, awesome. You really got it. That's really cool. But, and also yeah. the, the little girl is very good. She's fantastic. And she, it's really her story. I've always felt like yeah. uh, thematically it's her story. To me, it was, you know, it's an action thriller, horror adjacent movie, but it's really, to me, it's a coming of age story. Yeah. It's about her. Yeah. And she's also, um, uh, thank you, reminded me, Joe, I completely forgot. Uh, um, she's like a dead ringer for, remember the little girl and like the beguiled and all those movies and the, She's, a, she's not exactly a dead ringer for Pamela and Ferguson. She's, 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 okay, she's She doesn't very... have the screechy, annoying voice. Well, okay. That's, that's <laughs> this, this is a child we're talking about. Joe. I'm sorry she had a screechy, annoying voice. But, but I thought if you were going to remake the Beguiled, well, they did. And actually, like, they did remake the Beguiled. I know. I, I, I they didn't ask you at all. I know. I want to cast her. I wish they were. Uh, Sophia, what are you doing, aren't you? This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. But anyway, Brendan, I, I've been, I've really, I've been enjoying your work from like the get-go. Um, wow. You were, you're, you're, you've been this sort of wonderful presence in, in, you know, uh, movies like Welcome to the Dollhouse, which I think is your first, right? Or your, My first ever I think film. you were 15, weren't you? I was 14 years old when yeah. we made that movie in uh, 1994. And, and, and they submitted it to Sundance in 1995 as a film called Middle Child, and it did not get accepted. And they, we shot a scene or two, edited a scene or two, and we, submitted it the next year and it won the grand jury prize in 1996. Ah. Oh, that's satisfying. <clears throat> I, yeah, I didn't know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're just, you're so puntable in that film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then stuff. In fact, I just wanted my wife, Nancy had never seen it before. And I just, I don't know why I'd been having this, this yearning to see it. And then your name came up in conjunction with the show. And I was like, this is a sign of something. We watched Pecker the other night, which I had not seen in a long time. Oh, John, cool. John Waters Pecker, which, I don't think that movie gets the the as much 
I don't want to say it didn't get love. It just doesn't I quite would, get... It would have made more money if it was billed as John Waters' paper. Yeah, that's, that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> At least in it's, certain communities. It's such a great merging. I thought this at the time. It's such a great merging of like the quintessential John Waters that some of us grew up on and then the kind of later sweet John Waters who did like hairspray. Absolutely. It's, it's like so he manages... Sweet. Yeah, how, how you managed to get, you know... Uh, all, all that stuff into a movie that is that is so kind of sweet and life affirming. Um, it's it's probably his only like family picture that he's made. Like, hairspray. You know, it's like a real family film. Oh, it's, except for as hairspray. Far as, hairspray is the as, oh, hairspray is so good. Yeah, oh, he has a great story. I I saw him once talking. We're getting far afield. Who cares? Um, he talked about. I guess there was somebody uh, had rented um, hairspray. In some, yeah. you know, uh, I think it was like, in, I can't remember what state it was. They'd rented it. They loved it. They go back to the video store. They're like, oh, let's see some more movies from this nice John Waters. <laughs> and, and they apparently Amazing. got about 30 minutes into um, Pink Flamingos. Yes. And they called the police. <laughs> and my favorite part is and John Waters goes, I wish I had known you could do that when I was watching uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Brilliant. He's but, um, but I mean, so many, you know, uh, great stuff. Boys Don't Cry, of course, Session Nine, Black Hawk Down. You've worked with Mark, Martin McDonough a couple of times, who, you know, yeah. I'm a writer. So, of course, I worship him. Um, Seven Psychopaths, Three Billboards. Um, you are in uh, a Russian Doll, of course, which I guess right. is, is coming back, and you're also coming back with it. Uh, Russian Doll is coming back, and I don't know if I were in it were i hmm. privy to say whether or not i'm in it or not um, i believe imdb says you're well, in it. So. that it must be true oh, okay but, well that's nice of them that's <laughs> nice of them i might be i might be in it i might not be um uh, sure by but, the way that's yeah. that's every movie that's coming out this year you might be in it you might not be. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much covers them all yes uh, yes i'm glad to cover my bases always gotta gotta be safe and vague and exactly times. But um, uh, yeah, so just when yeah. the opportunity to just have a chat with you about movies came up, I was like, yeah, let's grab this guy. Let's talk to him. That's so like, cool. Thank you so much. I've, sure. Yeah, I've somehow stuck it out and it's allowed me to be on your podcast. <laughs> All downhill from here, man. <laughs> I think the downhill slope just started. Actually, that's not true. We had, uh, we, had, uh, we had an amazing record earlier this year. I think everybody who was on our show from like uh, uh, December to February won an Oscar. Nice. I think that's accurate. So, um, of course, most of them had been nominated when they came on. So that, that definitely helps. So no guarantees. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I like the sound of that. That's good company. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, what kind of um, um, I mean, we, we assume you're a guy who likes movies. Uh, like what, what do you yeah. like? what do you look for? What's your. Well, it's funny because like I I remember I had this meeting with uh, these two directors for a film recently and. Um, we were going to work together and didn't pan out. Um, but I think like my agents and managers like prepped them for the meeting and were like, you know, he's an artist, he's an artist. And so they were like being Uh-oh. gentle around me in some sort of way. And it was, it was for another thriller movie. And they were like, what kind of movies do you like? And I was like, I don't know. I just like to be entertained. I, I really like the last boy scout. And they were like, Oh wow. That's surprising. And, I guess I was supposed to like wheel off a list of my favorite true foe films or something like that. And, <laughs> you know, and you had Shane Black on the other day. Like, yes, we did. And like, he's in a way, one of, one of my 
one of my heroes and I love I love the last Boy Scout like so so very much. I, um, I'm a fan too. I, I don't know if you're the yeah, I I told him that and he um he likes some of it. <laughs> I think you you and I like it better than he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He poo-pooed. I think he said I like the first half or something like that. Yeah. And then I thought, well, I like the first half of this interview and I shut the rest of it off. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i love that movie i think it's like a, a crime noir disguised as an action film and it, how, how old were you when you saw it i was probably 13 or 11 yeah, that that often you know, accounts for these things hey hey yeah, Joe, hey i, I was also, a grown man so <laughs> i think all of these movies i saw between the ages of six and 13 and that's that's really what what we're getting here we're getting a very mixed bag of movies that my mom used to make me watch pretty much oh, wow. okay <laughs> but that you enjoyed that's that's that should have been the theme of this yeah movies that my mom made me watch repeatedly over and over again but but the ones you liked not the ones yeah you, oh that'd be yeah. kind of fun to talk about the ones you hated too if you, uh, or the one, uh, uh, i blew the, it the ones your mom let you watch yeah I blew it. no my mom my mom let me my mom was having me watch like Cheech and Chong up in smoke when I was like eight. And so <laughs> my, I owe my eclectic taste to her. Very much so. A progressive yeah. household. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, everyone has, you know, different strokes. I agree with It's the something anniversary that. of that. What is it? That I don't want to, I, I probably don't want to know what anniversary it is of up in smoke. But I know there's like a big deluxe like Blu-ray box coming out soon, and apparently the box is mostly just enormous to keep your weed in. With a big spiffy in it, no doubt. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But comes uh, with a free grinder. It's it's yeah. But uh, how how do we want to know how old that movie is? Do I want to look at that up? At least forty years old. I don't want to. I would say I would say late seventies. Yeah. But if right. you said eighty-three, I wouldn't be surprised. No, it was it was late seventies. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So she had me like watching Up in Smoke and the second movie, which I think is just called the second movie and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And whatever, whatever she could fit onto four hours of a VHS tape. Oh, and sure. So she was one of those. <laughs> yeah. But LP, not SLP. What, what, what is the difference? Well, SLP is the ones that you could fit more on. Uh, my my, you, my yeah, family six hours my family used to uh, do that to save tape and so i would go home and i would see that they had you know uh <laughs> they'd, they'd copied lawrence of arabia or something in it and it, along with five other movies on the same tape and and you couldn't tell omar sharif from peter o'toole but they, they didn't seem to care. <laughs> yeah that's that's how we did it that was the household we did it in for sure yeah, that was yeah. and then if you had like you know if the movies were less than 90 minutes, sometimes you could fit four of them on one two hour yeah. tape. Cause uh, yeah. 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 yeah that, that's, that's how we did it. And so yeah. that was my, that was my education in film was uh, sitting in the lazy boy uh, watching all these films back to back to back to back and, and <laughs> over and over again, and then rewinding them and doing it again. So, so, so you saw last boy scout on a bootleg VHS is what you said <laughs> on VHS. Yeah, I probably saw that on my own volition without my mom's. Oh, okay, because I, yeah, because I must have. I think that movie is like ninety one or ninety three, something like that. It's very there's like very early nineties like, uh, black guy, white guy. I don't like rap music humor in it, but I, <laughs> I you know, and I, but, but I post forty eight hours. 
Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. But it it works really well. I think like Bruce, will, you know, he's the archetypical uh, hard-boiled detective. And it's when I first moved to LA, I must have read I don't know like dozens and dozens of detective novels and crime noirs and like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like I love those kinds of hard-boiled macho guys. Right. Um, on film, not necessarily in life, but on film. I, I just, yes. Yeah, I love it because um, you can bounce anything off of them and they're, they're, they have their one note that they stick to. And, and it's, you know, in a Shane Black movie, it's really funny, but everybody else is going to be the color and they could just be their one note that you can bounce off of. And, right. you know, Bruce, I think that's like prime Bruce Willis and he does it to yeah. a T. And he works really well with Damon Wayans in there. And and it is it is a noir, you know, like there's there's justice, but there's not really justice. Like the world is still the same at the end. So I think it's a it's to me, it's kind of a masterpiece. And uh, I'm sure it really is. I, I don't say it's the best movie, but I say it's my favorite movie. I really do. Really, really do every time. Yeah, it's just so entertaining. It's funny. There's there's explosions. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> besides comedy and explosions i don't know how much more rich a film can get and i guess i shouldn't put you on the spot because you you go up for jobs and and uh he's still working but I, I will just say for the record um my favorite scott being tony scott i would oh. say i i might even have like two tony scott films on this list and i think he oh speaking of like hard-boiled macho guys like a lot of his leads are these hard-boiled macho guys but it's i it's just done in an effective fashion and 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 i just really enjoy it yeah no, um, he's, he's a blast yeah i, uh, I loved working cool well I, you I started with your favorite it's all downhill now what's uh what's yeah. what's next what are you <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm on the spot so i'll say how about this i'll combine these two because i'm pretty sure these let me pull up my list i'm pretty sure these two were on the same vhs and it's Dumbo and Eddie Murphy's Raw. <laughs> Great double bill. That, it's that, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As a double feature, it uh, it is somehow even greater than the sum of its parts. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, it's a triple feature because Dumbo, when it originally aired, and I'm, I think when it first came out in cinemas as well, was a double feature and was attached to like Mickey and the Beanstalk. Or whatever, or yeah, Dumbo was only sixty-four minutes long, and everybody said right. to Walt, "You know, you can't release a movie that's this short." And he said, "Yeah, but I told the story. This is as long as it should be." And so they, they did Mickey and the Beanstalk, which is like thirty-five minutes or something, and that was the program. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, because that's right. Dumbo's short. I think, but you could sell more tickets. Tickets if it's only sixty five minutes long. Well, that's the exuberant thing, but, the, but, right. but the, the audience tends to feel that you know a whole, a whole hour of of show, and then they clear the place, and you've already paid for it. Then you got to give them something extra. You got to give them all something, yeah. And they used yeah. to they used to have trailers, and they used to have shorts and newsreels and all that kind of stuff, and they yeah. don't have that anymore. No, the, the the day of the double feature is definitely dead. Even in even in the smaller cinemas, like I remember growing up in New York, I would like uh, take the ferry into Manhattan to watch like uh, double features or even triple features of like Kung Fu flicks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, that, and that's a real rarity now. That's maybe two or three 
cinemas in the whole country will let you do that now. I know it's a shame because you know when 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 Tarantino made Grindhouse, the whole idea was that there was two pictures yeah. because that's the way he grew up and he always saw them. Yeah. So these movies together, and, and the the reports were that at, at many of the first screenings, people left after the first movie because they didn't. They didn't the whole concept <laughs> of a double feature just didn't. Right didn't oh. fly and of course they didn't know what the word grindhouse meant right uh, and so they ended up having to cut the two movies into separate pictures wow so that's so sad that's so disappointing oh. so I, mean, I knew some of that i didn't realize people were walking out oh that's terrible that's terrible yeah i miss those triple features god it used to be like in, in philadelphia we had um in fact uh i saw i saw the howling in, at the goldman theater uh on 53 and uh, but it would show on one side it was split in half uh, and there would usually be um, horror films in the first cinema, and then kung fu movies in the second one. And it would usually be and that was film. such a, that was such a shame when they twi- when they twinned it because that was a great theater. It was a huge, big screen, and, and uh, it it had a special um, a special compartment where people could bring their babies, and it was all it was glass and it was walled off. And you could and there was another one where people could smoke, and it was it was a, a holdover from the forties and and during the war and everything. Um, it was a that's great incredible. It was a great that's theater. incredible. I want to go to that movie theater. <laughs> it's completely gone now. But yeah, they're they're yeah. there aren't and there aren't many like that. There's a couple downtown in uh, LA that are still uh, around, but they're they're not functional. That was fun because usually, like I, I, I leaned a little more towards horror films, but there was always this um, uh, awesome tension in the kung fu movies. I think I talked about this a while back, where like if you're watching a kung fu movie and you know it's in downtown Philadelphia, most of the audience is is black. And if there was a scene where uh, there was a black guy fighting, especially if it was a black guy fighting a white guy, you would sit there and pray that the black guy wins. Because <laughs> you didn't want to be the white guy in the audience if, like, you know, the black guy got his act kicked. It was not. Uh... That, that, remind, that reminds me of, like, one of my uh, other entries into this conversation, which is uh, Enter the Dragon. Oh, with, uh, yeah, sure. With Jim Kelly. And I, was, and I was just thinking recently, like, that is one of the, Jim Kelly has one of the best, sort of save the cat moments or intro to a character in a film I've seen in a long time. Because uh, you, every character sort of gets their introduction in the film and Jim Kelly's introduction is he beats up two cops and escapes in their cop car and drives That's away. right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty badass. You know, like that movie is probably from the early 70s. So I think like audiences were primed and ready for that kind yep. of energy, you know? and. Uh, and so, like, you know, when that showed live in theaters, people just erupted in cheers. Oh yeah, that they that he beat up the cracker cops who were giving him a hard time unnecessarily. And he not only that, but he drove away in their car and let off the siren as he did so. I mean, that's that's pretty badass. If that doesn't tell you that's the good guy, I don't know what does. <laughs> that is definitely true. Um, yeah, that's great. So that that's when you saw on VHS. I'm guessing. And we're going to oh, go back. Yeah. Don't worry to Raw and Dumbo, yeah. but let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Raw and Dumbo, you have to, because I think those really, I don't even know how, but those really formulate who I am. Uh, yeah, that's definitely when I saw on VHS. I would say like a lot of uh, the Bruce Lee films I saw um, all sort of blend into one. And part of that is like uh, the fault of uh, his last movie, um, Game of Death, because they literally just blended a bunch of his movies into one, because they he died mid-filming. Well, they had nine only minutes, 11 minutes 11 minutes of footage of him in yeah. the movie and the rest of it is all doubles oh so disrespectful so sad so sad 
so sad. But Enter the Dragon is just like that. It's there's that amazing set piece at the end in the climactic fight scene where he's in the Hall of Mirrors, and and I uh, I watched that scene specifically for this discussion so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. And there's uh, a moment where the the villain Han. Um, is waiting for Bruce Lee in the Hall of Mirrors. And but his face is distorted a bit by the mirror. Yep. And he looks ugly in the mirror. Um, he's not beat up or anything yet, but his face is distorted and smeared and foggy and he looks ugly. And it's because his intentions are ugly. You know, and 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 Bruce Lee, who is beat up, who has like these bloody claw marks on his face, steps into frame and he still looks very handsome. Oh yeah, no, he's beautiful. And alluring, and it's because his his intentions are pure. <laughs> and I just, and I just love, I just, I love that movie. You know, like seeing kung fu films and seeing Bruce Lee films as a kid, you just want to beat everyone up afterwards. So like, <laughs> whether your intentions, your pure, are pure intentions, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, whether your intentions are pure or not, you definitely want to kick some ass. And so, there you go. Yeah, and speaking of, of Jim Kelly, I. Joe, we talked about it a little while ago, but uh, on your recommendation, I watched Take a Hard Ride recently, which is um, uh, just a Jim, lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly, Lee Van Cleef, and uh, Jim Brown. And um, yeah, Jim Kelly has no dialogue because. And he throws knives. And he throws knives. And he's supposed to be part Indian, I think. Yeah. But there's scenes where he's running along and he just reminded me, he's terrible. He said, he reminded me of my dog Harley, sort of the way, because they keep, they treat him like they're like, go, boy, go in and check, that, check out the town. He's like, okay. <laughs> runs off you're like that's a man why are you <laughs> but he plays it with this kind of enthusiasm of a, of a puppy or something but it's a, it's a really fun film it's an italian director western um oh cool yeah well, but it's it. not a sequel of through the hard way no, no it's not nothing to do with it it's just it's a spaghetti western basically yeah but just a follow-up with with hard in the title um yeah yeah. But yeah, so let's cool. go. So your mom had this tape. It had Dumbo and Eddie Murphy's Raw on it. That's and it, did she, did you find it or did she go, here, honey, let's watch these two movies? It's more like here, shut up. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go F off somewhere and do my own thing. I see. I grew up in New York City, but my mom lived down south and she lived in the country. She lived eight miles from the nearest store and you know a mile away from the nearest house so if i wasn't in like a particular activity like theater camp or pool day at the pool at the local rec center or something there was not a lot for me to do i could only you know catch so many ticks in the woods each day so <laughs> you know so and and to uh, satisfy my boredom, she would, you know, just plop me down in front of TV like any good uh, guardian would, and <laughs> and and I was at the mercy of her tastes, and um, some of which were quite sophisticated, and some of them which were quite lowbrow, and, and one of these uh, epic magical tapes that I always returned to on my own volition was was the Dumbo, Eddie Murphy Raw double feature, um, and it, it just. And I'd watch would every you know every summer when I would go back I would watch it repeatedly time and time each each visit so I would watch it repeatedly uh, sometimes within a day but then 
four weeks. And then when I would come back the next summer, I would do it again. Um, and so I, I think that really just, uh, I don't know, formulated my sense of humor, maybe. Um, and it turns out also my, my best friend at the time in elementary school um, maybe had similar type of parents. And he also was overly familiar with Eddie Murphy's Raw at such a young age. And so it was that kind of thing, you know, in the, in the playground, we would just butcher Eddie's jokes over and over again, <laughs> like, like he jokes about in the film. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, there, there is a joke where he men mentions people butchering his own film, his own jokes. And that's what we did every day. And, you know, and I'm sure any adult who walked by and heard you was just absolutely horrified. Yes. I, that I is imagine. hard R Eddie Murphy uh, saying things that uh, even, even he would not say today in public. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 30 years later, um, yeah. 35 probably. And, and especially down South at the time, like I think in New York city, you could get away with cuss words, so to speak, maybe here and there, you know, cause in New York, we just used to run around on our own. It's not like parenting today with helicopter parenting. We used to, we were just yep. left to our own devices, but definitely down south there was a, you know, you had to respect your elders and mind your manners and yes sir, no ma'am kind of thing, you know. And kids definitely, adults didn't cuss, let alone kids. So, yeah. Right. So I was I was just checking too. You can, uh, Joe. If uh, seems like a good place to stop and mention our sponsor uh, moviesunlimited.com they're the movie collectors website they're not only huge fans of our show but they feature many of the movies we discuss here so you can easily find them to add to your collection plus all through the month of september every title from criterion is on sale pretty sure there's no criterion of uh, up in smoke or eddie murphy's raw but um you never know anyway uh definitely prefer hard media to streaming you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want, when you want, and there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features like director's commentary, deleted scenes, and all sorts of goodness. Then click the Movies Unlimited banner on our Trailers from Hell website and buy your favorites from hard-to-find films, imports, and more. Go now to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. <laughs> You can go to Movies Unlimited. You can recreate Brendan's double feature because they have Dumbo and Eddie Murphy's Raw. They they don't have them in a single package, and they're no, I think they'll VHS. probably look better because of. But it. yeah, they will actually look better and <laughs> and sound better. And uh, and uh, hey, you'll own them. But that's just your opinion, man. That's just your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think I've talked about this on the show. I really, really, I don't know if I do it with Dumbo, but I really want someone to come up with like an app or something for Blu-ray players so that you can filter them through and make them look scratched up and beat up and burned out. And melted. as a filmmaker, I am appalled. But there are certain work movies. like crazy to make these things look as good as they can. And then that was what always bothered me when I would go home and my, my parents had recorded 12 movies on one tape. 
and it was all blurry and smeary and it was like what the f this is not the way it was supposed to look oh it's it's we got it though it's free you know and, and, and look we can buy we can see a whole bunch of them i i, I could never talk i mean yeah that. there's half of a tide commercial at the end of one of the scenes, <laughs> but it's still you still get told the whole story it's fine but you would be able to go back and kind of stay like, like, you know, obviously, Joe, not with, you know, I want to see Lawrence yeah, Arabia on the really biggest screen Sharif, ever. Or is that Anthony Quinn? I can't exactly. tell. So blurry. But, but you know, so I just watched this, uh, we watched this insane movie, Death Promise, uh, this, the 70s low budget revenge thing about killing landlords and uh, awesome. Vinegar Syndrome put it out. And they're great because they, but they, they don't have the facilities to do, you know, they do these nice restorations, but they don't go through and completely clean them up. And, right. and there's little bits of scratches and like everybody else watching, we all just went, oh, I love that. I just love, this is not a movie you should yeah. ever see pristine. And I, right. in fact, I wanted the, I wanted the app to make it look worse is what I wanted. Cause that's the sort of way to, you know, you're talking about those theaters in New York. It's like, you never, nothing ever was ever pristine by the time it made it to a triple feature on 42nd oh, street. No, it's <laughs> the sound audio is just, you know, it's crackling and popping and absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, there's a guy throwing Absolutely. up in the next row, and you know that's interesting. I mean, there are apps, you know, like post, you know, so you can post to social media and they add like a '70s or '50s patina to your right. to your little movies that you make. I, but I want one for a Blu-ray player. I just I want I want some movies to look crappy. <laughs> you no one knows what I'm talking about. He just won't admit it. I know what you're talking about. I just don't. I don't agree with. It. I mean, come you on. If I'm gonna watch, if I'm gonna watch, if I'm gonna watch uh, Piranha. For instance, yeah. Well, you, it, could, you could you could watch the the new Blu-ray, which looks like the day it came out of the lab. Or right, but I'd rather you could have watch it my thirty-five like, millimeter print from nineteen seventy-eight, which is faded and has yes, scratches and splices. Yes. You mean the way it was meant to be seen in a drive-in? No, it wasn't meant yes, to be yes. seen that way. <laughs> That's the way people <laughs> saw it went because Roger didn't make enough prints. Uh, or you know, yeah, or like Hollywood Boulevard. Like I really need to see that in in pristine. 4k there were there were like 20 prints of that made right and and the grainier and more and we used up. to have a whole uh, a whole division at new world of, of new young upcoming editors whose job it was to take all the old prints and, and find the good pieces and splice them back together and oh, make new yeah. prints wow. out of the old prints. wow, wow. And, uh, wow. yeah and so you could get it would be scratchy but at least it'd be the whole movie and those what, those would run for, those would run yep. you know for months and months and months sometimes even years you know and since yep. some of the pictures have been retitled and <laughs> were released with different titles the yeah. some exhibitors would actually book the same movie twice thinking it was two different pictures and amazing then a lot of horn i'm sure that upset and, roger when that happened well it upset the people that. who paid their money to see the same movie twice <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes um <laughs> But we I, we, I know we're very much digressing. Yes. Uh, how about please, another one, Brendan? Give, give, give us another VHS masterpiece or some other. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, um, for me, Yojimbo. There you go. This is highbrow. There you go. Yeah. My yeah. mom loved Kurosawa. Really? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely loved him. Like that was, that was her man. Like she had a serious crush on Kurosawa. And, wow. Um, an artistic crush. Yeah. Um, she definitely had a. Well, she, she get his mom on the show, Joe. She's. Uh, I know she's a lot more compelling and interesting. Than me. No, she, no, you're great. She's, she's like yeah. she has a lot. Of, she lived a lot of life, man. Let me tell you, <laughs> she's got some great stories. <laughs> she's lived a lot of life, that woman, for sure. 
I just I want um, to be this woman who's, who's giving her kid Eddie Murphy's raw Dumbo and Yojimbo. That's an amazing. Uh, they turned out all right. Look. Yeah. No. I know. I, I think it's fantastic. Still alive. I'm, I'm yeah, really yeah. Yeah. No. I. I, yeah. I mean, I want to say that's an incredible parent. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like she really helped formulate this wonderful eclectic taste, and I. Um, I think taste is so arbitrary, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy for the taste I do have. You know. How, um, how old were you? Like the first time you saw you, Jimbo? Around 10, I would say. So like between eight and 11. Wow. And, and what yeah. do you have any recollection? I mean, were you just sitting there going, what the fuck were you going? This is amazing. Were you? Uh, I, I think probably my first one that I saw was seven samurai. So like that was my intro to, to uh, Kurosawa and the samurai genre. On um, VHS probably. Yeah, of course. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if my mom ever got a DVD player. I know she has cable and all the streaming services now, but it it took her until like 2015 to get call waiting. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's ever had a, a DVD player, to be honest. Um, yeah, so VHS. And she had a bunch of she had a bunch of Kurosawa films. In, in the original uh, packaging, and she had a bunch mm. that she recorded herself. I don't know if she dubbed them from other people's VCRs or there was a Kurosawa Fest on PBS or something, but she, um, she had both. We had both. And, and uh, Yojimbo, I think, is just one of the best ones because I just think it's so really funny, actually. Um, and it's not something... It's one of the, you know, a lot of these films I listed here are just films I can watch repeatedly over and over again, or just like, you know, put put it on on a Sunday and leave it on in the background kind of thing. Like, I don't know, like people do with Goodfellas or something like that. Right. Just comfort, just comfort films, you know, like the uh, cinematic equivalent of a cup of hot chocolate uh, kind of thing. And uh, so Yujimbo is, is, is one of those for me. And I, I guess it's because it's attached to the memories of, of my mom. And, and, you know, and I was young and I was into martial arts at the time. I studied martial arts for a lot as a kid from, I don't know, seven, eight years or something. And, um, and, and so Yujimbo had like a really big impact on me. And Mushroom did, I guess, too, as well. Um, yeah. yeah. That's wild. The 10, good God. <laughs> yeah. Where, well, when did you see like uh, your first summer? I think it has to be after that. It has to be after that. And I think it's probably <laughs> something because they didn't show. Uh, uh, they didn't show um, on TV a lot, or in, in in Philly at least. And they would only show. I guess they would show kind of at the TLA or something, which is this nice repertory theater near us. But you know, as a kid, I was more drawn to the sort of the the, the you know kind of garish stuff. Uh, yeah. So probably I would have been older. I would have been in my mid-teens or so before I started going out. You know, he was one of those filmmakers where you're like, oh, that's going to be homework. Kurosawa, yeah, exactly. Tar Tarkovsky, right. and then, you know, and then you right. the, way, you the way they're so revered and talked about. Yeah, yeah they have absolutely. to suck, right? And then, yeah. you know, you go off, yeah, and you see one, you're like, holy shit, this is incredible. No wonder they made a Western out of it, you know? Or it's, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. 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 Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Mufune is just like he doesn't get talked about enough, you know. 
Yeah, he was, and he was such a great presence. And I love when he pop up in American movies uh, too. Or um, always dubbed. Uh, uh, no, is he dubbed in? Um, um, oh my God, what am I blanking? Lee Marvin on the island. Probably, he's certainly dubbed in Grand Prix. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, usually it was Paul Frees, and but they just they his English wasn't terrific. And even when he did get the lines out in English, a lot of people times they said, "Well, you know, we can't understand what he's saying." So, I don't remember. Hell in the Pacific. The reason we're dubbing this is so we won't have to put subtitles on it. But he, he plays a Japanese soldier, so I think he's mostly speaking Japanese because all things they don't they can't communicate. They're just trying to kill each other. But that's a that's a great one. Uh, but yeah, no, he's he's like he's he's a movie star. Like he's absolutely a movie star. He's yeah. he's he also has that um, in in Yojimbo specifically. He has. Uh, uh, that um, hard boiled, you know. Yeah, that you do not want to be on the receiving end of that angry look. It's just no, no. It's wonderful. It's <laughs> nothing so good happens great. after that. <laughs> it's so great, and then just the way he outwits everyone there in the whole town, and it's just so funny. Like I, I don't think I really appreciated the humor until like I saw it again as an adult. Um, but it really is such a funny film and it's a wonderful ride and yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good stuff well uh, what's what's next oh boy all right I should, I should keep this list up um well let's go well all right so your jimbo's in black and white this this movie uh i always remember it as being in black and white whenever i'm asked to first recall it but it's not and it's the red balloon so here you go. I'm doing. I'm doing my high balloon brown. is red, so that's the. I'm, yeah, I'm doing my highbrow, so I can, um, you know, keep my indie cred, so to speak. <laughs> Our balloons, the, uh, the French film, the French. It's a short. La balloon yeah. rouge. La balloon rouge. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. it used to be when I was a kid. Uh, you could. Uh, my mother would do it on my birthday. She would rent a projector and rent the red balloon, and we would show it up at birthday parties. Really. Yeah, that was very popular with kids at breakfast. Yeah, because it's short. Because it's only yeah. thirty minutes. And there was a kids book right. that was stills from the movie, and then you know, written up as a, as a kids book. It's a Ooh. lovely film. I didn't know it was a book. That's interesting. Maybe it's a book from the movie, you know. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that's it would make a great book. Yeah, no, I mean, because it is because it is mostly just cinema. There's no dialogue. Yeah, I mean, there's a few lines here and there. There's lots of audio of people yelling and. Pascal, saying Pascal. indiscernible, yeah, saying indiscernible things in the yeah. background, but there's not a lot of dialogue, so it is mostly told through the camera. And I guess part of the reason why I remember it as black and white is because it's so. I feel like most of the movie takes place in the fog, you know, and during a cloudy day, and uh, and it's most the kids in all gray for most of it. And you know it's post World War II France, so it's like dark and gray and and dreary, and 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 this red balloon is the one uh, sort of splash of life that exists in the film, and and it really helps it stand out and be stark and be a focal point, and makes it worth following because everything is so gray. So the the red becomes the focus in the composition. And, um, so and I, so whenever I'm asked to recall it, like my initial instinct is to always think it's black and white with the exception of the balloon, but it's not. It's a beautifully shot film in color. And um, 
like the grays actually happen to be very beautiful, you know, and post-World War II Paris has like this, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a lot, there's like this wabi-sabi sort of element to it. It's just captured really well. And so I guess I saw that like when I was a teenager when people were like, oh, you want to get into like cool arty films? You're going to be like an art film actor guy? Well, like, you better, <laughs> you better brush up on your French, homeboy. Like, check these movies out. Was, yeah, fun. no one's ever brought up the Red Balloon thing here. Um, nope. It's so good. I feel, and then the, the kid was the director's kid, I think. Albert uh, Lamaurice was the director. Yeah. And uh, yes, that was his kid. And he did another picture with the kid called uh, Stowaway in the Sky, in which uh, it was about a balloon, uh, a giant balloon, a big balloon that's, that's, that's <laughs> right. you know, traversing, I can't remember where, Paris and environs and stuff. And it was a nice, it was a lovely movie, a nice score. How does um, it compare? How does it well, it's it's not it's not it, the, the red balloon is pretty perfect because it's so short. Yeah. I mean the the so stowaway in the sky is is it's a kind of a pseudo documentary, so it's not the same kind of movie. But yeah, no, I I love that one. That's it's so good. It's so good. Um, and yeah, you can show it to anybody because it's it's there's no subtitles. Yeah, it's all it's all very clear. And weirdly, I mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's it's about a boy's very poignant relationship with a balloon, and uh, it's not. <laughs> It's not particularly magical. It's not really set it's in a than castaway with the you know with the, the beach ball. With, yes, right, I, I, I I buy the balloon relationship much better. But um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. But it's uh, oh, it's a lovely film. It's it's just lovely. That's it's delightful. That's you know it's it's whimsical, and it's just sweet, and it's told just so well. Like it's you probably have to watch it in filmmaking one hundred and one. Like when you go to some expensive film school because it's just, it's not, the story is not told through the dialogue at all. And yeah. it's just wonderfully done. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous film. Ah, no. Gorgeous. no. Yeah. Thanks for the memory. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. really, I've done, I've I've done made, a long time. It really, it's, like, it's cinematic hot chocolate. Like that's how yeah. it makes me feel. Yeah. I just feel good thinking about it. That's glorious. Uh, well, hit us up with another one. All right. Let's stay in France then. Okay. Um, yeah. So again, I'm a teenager. France. This one actually is in black and white. It's called the Hate or or Hate Lahaine. Oh, Lahaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I saw that in theaters as a teenager. I don't know why. I just just did. And I I don't know. It spoke to my political sensibilities. You know, these like working class kids, some of them immigrants and, and working class suburbs of France growing up in the projects and uh, being chased by Nazis throughout the streets of Paris. And it's about them trying to survive the night in, in Paris, running from white supremacists. And it's just a really, really awesome film. And, it, um, it's amazing. And, I, I, and as a young filmmaker, like I, always wanted to do like a New York version and I, mm. I long let go of that idea. But like, I think, I think it could use a, I think it's, it's worth a remake, you know, it's worth a reintroduction to audiences. My and it was, wasn't it the, um, cause I think it was the first, yeah, definitely the first time we've seen Vincent Cassell over here. Yes. Uh, yes. who's just I agree. incredible actor. And, and, um, uh, I know was Matt, did Matthew here? I'm going to look, uh, sounds like an idiot. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. Matthew Kosovitz not only co-starred in it, he directed it. Um, oh, I, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, no, he's a really interesting filmmaker. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a oh, I, I love that. Not movie. very well known though. I, I feel like it got it got a lot of noise briefly uh, over here when it came out, and then yeah, but um, uh, it's it's just fantastic. And oh my god, that's right, Syed Tagmat, what a cast! Yeah. yeah, it's probably the first time we ever saw him as well. And he's yeah, fantastic in the film. They're both yeah. great. They're all great. It's it's and so good. There's this one iconic moment, like uh, when they're hiding from the, for me, it was iconic. It's just like a, mo a moment that stuck with me arbitrarily, but it just did. Uh, they're, they're hiding from the Nazis. I think they're on a rooftop somewhere and they're just looking out at the Eiffel Tower and it's uh, approaching midnight. So one of the characters uh, snaps his fingers right at the right moment and his snap is what turns the Eiffel Tower off. Nice, yes. <laughs> so so cool so awesome. cool and that i'm guessing that was not one your mother showed you on vhs no it wasn't it was probably when i showed her on vhs actually oh <laughs> yeah. on vhs okay yeah we're sticking to that um cool this is a, this is a pretty interesting and eclectic group of movies it's quite it's quite eclectic yeah i apologize i didn't know what i was in for i like oh I, that's great I should have brushed up on my uh, spaghetti westerns. Or something. No, you're not supposed so, to brush up at all. That's the whole point of this. Thing. Yeah, we want you to come. Oh, just, okay, it just comes right out of your head. You know, it's whatever okay, appeals good. to you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Although yeah, sometimes so like, I still, I still think uh, I, I no, I doubt anyone will. And not to a different approach. What Thomas Jane did um, his favorite crime French crime films, and I think cool. he locked himself up for a week and rewatched all of them, and then spent the rest of the week sort of studying, you know, the the histories <laughs> of them and. Uh, I felt I felt like we were getting a master class. It was great. I was like, wow. But that's that's um, doing your homework, which we which yeah. we don't we don't require. And that's all no, 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 that's always one like when people are like, oh, is there an episode I should listen to? And I'm like, don't listen to Thomas Jane. <laughs> you will run screaming for the hills. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just want to know what you like, man. Um, but uh yeah, well, cool. Give us another one. Um Night on Earth. Jim Jarmish. Oh, Jim Jarmish. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That was one I watched. Um way too many times on vhs and i don't know how we ended up with a copy of it but we just did and i like we watched it over and over and over and over and over again um i think my it's just a, a film with, full of vignettes of different people taking a taxi cab one night on earth yeah, yeah. and so you know, taxi cabs, those things. I don't know if people remember those. And they're they're like they're like Uber, only a little harder to get, but a lot cooler. <laughs> <laughs> in, in some people's opinions, yeah. Um, and of course, my your driver's one, getting well paid. He's getting better paid than a taxi driver. I think is the point. Yes, probably. But, yeah, probably. But you know, it's I, a great film. Yeah, but nobody ever made a movie called Uber Driver. That's right. <laughs> Sounds really boring. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, were you were you a? Uh, I mean, were you a Jarmish? I mean, I assume you were a Jarmish fan. But yeah, I grew up. You... I grew into being one. I didn't like when I probably when I first saw that film. I don't know, must have been like it's... ten or something. Oh wow, know, really? Holy shit! Okay. Yeah, I mean, like when did this movie come out? I mean, yeah, so I was like ten or eleven or something. Like, I, wow. I didn't know what a Jim Jarmish was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was just like, I just knew there was like this, this funny scene in New York with 
um, Giancarlo Esposito, you know, making fun of his his taxi driver because the guy's name is Helmet, you know. And, That's right. <laughs> um, yes. Like, like, it's a great scene. I think there's only three actors, and it's like uh, taxi cab driver's name is like Armin Miller Stahl, like right. who you've seen and everything, and Giancarlo Esposito, who at the time I was familiar with from like Spike Lee movies, like School Days and Do the Right Do Thing. The right thing. Yeah. You know, and later Fresh, and you know all these great early '90s movies, and and Rosie Perez is who was also into the right thing, and and I think it's just the three of them in it, and it's maybe my favorite. Yeah, and the New York thing, yeah, and I think that's my favorite vignette. And I don't know if that's from a New York bias, or like I sort of like understood the the patter of the language more or something. Um, Well, that would be his bias too, as he's. New York guy. True, 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 true. So maybe it is objectively yeah. the best scene because it's it the be, one he's most hard for him not to have special feelings for that one. Yeah. 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 But Giancarlo Esposito is just so funny in it. And it's awesome because now he plays all these like really elevate elegant, cold villains that yeah. are still breaking bad. Yes. Yeah. He just plays these cold, still villains um that are very calculative. But in the 90s, I mostly remember him playing like these volcanic, very hot temperatured. Um, yeah, I mean, his name in, in with a lot do the right thing is literally bugging out. I mean, that's his name because that's out. all he does is bug yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. white guy had the nerve to run over his sneaker with his dumb bicycle tire. You know, yes, and, poor John Savage. Yeah, well, the, the white guy deserved it. You don't run over people's Jordans. You know, <laughs> the, the dude like worked hard every day to keep those things clean. Like you just don't do that to someone. <laughs> well, now he knows. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I I just love that and that, and like I remember like growing up, like when I got my first apartment with my roommates, like having the VHS and turning my roommates onto it, and and. And then we had the inside joke about making fun of Helmut Krokenberger, the, the you know, the clown who was, uh, who was uh, moonlighting as a taxi cab driver because he had the name Helmut. Like you know, and we had that inside joke for years, and so that that movie's always always stuck with me. It's, yeah, right. And doesn't it, it's uh, yeah, it's got that Tom Waits, a bunch of Tom Waits songs, kind of holding them together. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he and Jim were boys and yeah. worked together before. And yeah, I think it's I think it's beautiful. It's funny, it's poignant, and it's and it's a ride because you go through different cities, LA and Stockholm and New York and probably elsewhere, who knows, Paris maybe. It's very interesting, very, very cool film. I don't know if you can make a film like that just well, I guess every once in a while there's films with vignettes, but they have to be very good to get a theatrical release. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorites of all time. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. I, I love him. He's always even even when the movies don't quite work. It's just such an interesting trip to go to. A, he's a always show. he's always doing something. Yeah, he's yeah. always like trying something, and he's always has an interesting perspective. And, yeah, know, he's definitely someone I would love to work with. And yeah, he's never slouching. He's always going for something. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. Uh, what 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 next? Oh boy. Um, Oh, I guess, I guess I put. Um, I only got a couple left. I I put Ghostbusters on here, um, because it was on my mind recently. I probably should have put a Cheech and Chong movie that my mom had me watch, but <laughs> it's not much um, different. There's, there's no rules. Yeah. We can we can change it up. Everyone knows Ghostbusters. Oh, they don't Cheech and Chong. 
whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. But did you see? Yeah. So I didn't see kids. One of the first movies I saw in theaters. I think I saw in a theater. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I probably saw two movies in theaters between the age of zero and six. And the first one was ET. And I cried my eyes out for three weeks because ET (laughs) went home, you know, and then the second movie I probably ever saw in theaters was Ghostbusters. And that movie absolutely terrified me. Absolutely terrified me. And so it's literally a movie that, that made me, because it's one of my first scares ever. And it's the first time I've ever had a movie terrifying me. Because um, in the beginning, um, there is the librarian. And it's the first scare of the film. There's like maybe spooky music here and there, and hence that things are going to go down. But there's the librarian in the beginning. And, you know, they, they cue the music and they're going to sneak up on the librarian and she turns around and she scares them and she's this huge ghost and she's horrifying. She is terrifying and she scared the living bejesus out of me. And my sister, like, covered, she knew the moment was coming up and she covered my eyes, you know, and I did the classic thing, like peeking through, you know, the fingers I'm trying to watch the scary moment and I've absolutely paid for it. It's, you know. (laughs) Because, yeah, the movie hadn't quite revealed itself yet as a comedy. Right. Right. Exactly. It's in the first 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And Um, if you're that age, you're probably not going off going, oh, well, Bill Murray, this will be funny. You're just going to see Ghostbusters. Right. I love I love these SNL alum movies. This is. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, I think, you know, that age, I'm not even sure I necessarily knew the difference between movies and reality or television and reality. And I thought, you know, and if I did understand that they were actors, I thought they were acting there behind the screen at the moment kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And I thought you can easily trade places like walk into the screen or walk out of it. Like I still, you know, the lines between uh, reality and fantasy were still blurred for me there. And so that's a movie that definitely made me, and it kept me away from most horror films for a very long time. Actually, <laughs> that's how terrified of it, it was. So it scary. was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Ghostbusters was so scary. Yeah, I think Ghostbusters, and like then they, then they like you know that the the also the effects on the on that particular ghost were just so good, and eventually they like dialed back and 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 got into the humor more, and and the the monsters are threatening but not as the ghosts are threatening but not as threatening but that one in particular was a big threat and and you know propels a movie because it puts them on notice and it lets them say oh yeah this ghostbusters thing is not just a dream we should make this a reality so that effect did have to be good it did have to be effective yeah absolutely what what do you think the kid um that we're talking about sitting there in Ghostbusters losing his mind in fear. What would he have made if you showed him, say, don't breathe too? <laughs> this kid? This kid that you're talking about. <laughs> this, this five-year-old, six-year-old kid? Yes, I think oh they're in Ghostbusters. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, it's a possible talk about, attack at that age? I don't know. Yeah, talk about trauma. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if people joke you would need therapy after seeing that movie, but you might. I, I would. After seeing that, yeah, don't take don't take six year olds to don't. They're gonna regret having him come on the show because we're telling people not to. But don't take your six year old to don't breathe too. Unless it's a movie theater that has a glass partition for your children and a smoking set. And a smoking exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Take 
if if you're going to take your kid to Don't Breathe 2, make sure it's that theater in Philadelphia. The Goldman Theater in Philadelphia in 1954. Yes, that's the perfect environment yes. to see Don't Breathe 2. <laughs> Although weirdly screening digitally. I don't know how that works, but... Um... I don't either. I don't either, man. I just get paid to say lines in front of a camera. I don't that's know right. what I'm doing. Yeah, don't, don't think too hard. Don't think too hard. Thank um, you. You've got one more, right? Are we... Uh... Oh yeah, one more. True Romance, which coincidentally is another Tony, another Tony Scott film. Starting and ending with Tony Scott. It's a perfect circle. Yes. There you go. That was unintentional, but somehow. Somehow satisfying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that film. I love that film so much. It's can, just so good. It's yeah. one of the, it's one of the, I won't say this. It's not necessarily one of the best Tarantino movies, but it might be my favorite Tarantino movie. You know? Um, and I'm sure he hopefully never hears that because he might be insulted. <laughs> well, I, I, don't think, I think he's he's got some reservations about the movie himself because I think he feels that uh, a lot of some of the stuff that he wrote uh, was either changed or didn't get into the movie. Yeah, the ending, right? Oh, interesting. What do you know was, about it, the it, it, Well, it was it was rewritten after they got it from him. So, right, uh, someone else. Got I don't think they asked him to, to check it out and say, "Well, what do you think of our rewrite?" <laughs> I heard he got the writer's minimum for it, like whatever. Probably, yeah. Whatever they, they could legally pay him the minimum of they paid him. That's what they paid him for it because it's his first film ever. Yeah. What do you like? I I also heard that uh, it was the first time anybody was ever going to seriously look at a script to maybe direct or produce it. So he um, started started this new draft that he submitted with a, a three-page monologue about Conolingus. Um, <laughs> I, and thankfully that didn't make the film, but it did. But the reason, his reasoning behind it, I'm sure he can tell it better than me, was because he knew it would grab people's attention. Yes, and it definitely it, got their attention. <laughs> yeah, it's immediately provocative and, and, and it made them turn the page and that's all he wanted. He just wanted them to get to the next page, and that's why he right. did that. Um, but thankfully, that's not in the movie. And um, yeah, I guess like the, sure, the film is like quite problematic, you would say, with today's parlance. But uh, but you know, it's about like a geeky like video uh, video store employee who's lonely and a loner, and I don't know, maybe. Maybe today, if they remade that movie, they'd make it much more dark, and that would be a dark, lonely personality that becomes like the Joker or something. But in this one, he seems to be happy-go-lucky, and he's watching kung fu, seeing kung fu films in the beginning, probably like Quentin did, you know, definitely like I did, and meets like a manic pixie dream girl who like named Alabama Whirly, and all this, you know, and like Alabama Whirly was influential in my life and absolutely tortured me and tormented me for decades after. Uh, seeing her on screen for the first time. So. <laughs> uh, she's so great at that. But there, there's so many wonderful kind of vignettes in that film that's sort of almost modular, you know, those, I mean, obviously each, Dennis, Dennis each, Hopper and Christopher uh, um, Walken. Christopher Walken. Yeah. Christopher Walken. Walken. Yeah, you know Walken. that guy. Christopher I'm here to help. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, the, the and, way to pipe in, Joe. Like, yes. Yeah. 
I James I, Gandolfini, for God's sake. I mean, oh my God, James Gandolfini seeing with Patricia Arquette is just so amazing. He's such a maniac and he's having such a good time as an actor, but also his character is just yeah. relish, relishing what's about to ensue. He's but he's delighted by her as well. He's it's delighted. such a weird yeah, yeah. performance. Yeah, he's tr- he's charmed. He's definitely charmed. And and there, I guess there is some regret because he's so charmed, you know. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's a shame to have to have to kill you now. But it's because this has really been fun. But it's <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned that the kind of because I, I just the other day I stumbled across uh, one of my favorite lines ever from The Sopranos. Um, is is James Gull, James Candlefeed going kind of like cunnilingus and psychiatry have ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Tony line. It's pretty yeah. great. Yeah. But yeah, there's amazing performances in that film. And it's it's yeah, so much every, fun. And it's it's got every but, film is its every scene in it is its own film. It's yeah. just so well 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 crafted, you know, the Gary Oldman character and today and white boy day and just yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every every scene is its own film. My, I, you know, Michael Rappaport uh, has his audition in the movie, and that's, that's right. one of the one of the only good impressions I do. And it's so obscure, no one gets it, and I love it. <laughs> well, your Michael Rappaport impression? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's yeah, just it him. All right, it's just him driving. He's um, in the casting office, and his character is driving, and he's very he's very nervous about his audition, and um, he wants the casting director to know what his character is doing even though it's on the page so he says okay i'm driving where the fuck did he come from brilliant Brilliant. one of the best performances of all time (laughs) hands down hands down uh brad pitt plays a stoner in the film Yep. And is incredible in it is hilarious yeah absolutely yeah and you know this is he's in his 20s then maybe even his early 20s like he's the hottest thing on two legs we're going to be sending people out to watch this thing right after this after they listen to this that's right you know he's he's the hottest thing on the planet to look at and he's playing a grubby crusty stoner that's glued to the couch and just getting high as hell and he's doing his character actor thing he's not a leading man yet and it's incredible um so it's there's a just beautiful these, shot too. God. Oh, it's 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 really it's a really well done film. Tony Tony really hit the nail on the head with that one. You know, yeah. it's it's one of my favorites. So it's just you know put it on on the background on Sunday kind of thing. And that one you saw in a theater, I'm guessing the first time. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Have you ever um, watched it on VHS or? Oh yeah, plenty, <laughs> plenty of times. Oh yeah. It doesn't exist if he hasn't seen it on VHS. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, I, if a, if your film wasn't on VHS, I probably didn't see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so wait, so how many? Oh yeah, no, you would, yeah, you would have seen. So you would have, you would have seen many of your own films on VHS if you. Yeah, I actually have some, copies of a few of them on VHS. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember when one of my films came out on DVD, it was a big deal. Actually, I remember one of the greatest honors for one of my films is when I saw it on bootleg on the street in New York City. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. and and that's, that's how that's I That's when you've arrived. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, you know, I was just a teenage actor doing all these art house Sundance type movies. And then I did a film in like 2000, a, a horror film called Session 9. And I saw yeah. that on a blanket on a sidewalk in New York City for sale. And I was-, I was Did you buy it? 
No, I should have. I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Because especially no, if it was absolutely. one of those ones where it's shot with the audience and yeah, yeah. Right off the Someone screen, it looks like shit, and you can hear people yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's I, actually re, you know bringing you back to the wonders of VHS <laughs> on DVD. Yeah, exactly. Perfect VHS <laughs> quality on DVD. I would watch that DVD. Yes. But yeah. I, 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 we've been talking about this for an hour and I, it, it suddenly it's like I should I should have mentioned this at some point, of course, uh, VHS no longer with us. Uh, last movie ever released. Last movie ever released on VHS. Do you know what that was? I don't. Jonah. Big trivia question. You know, right, Joe? I forgot. Oh, you know, if it was Gremlins, I would never forget that. It was a history of violence. Oh, well, see, oh that's why I didn't remember. My own, I, have, I, have a framed, I have a framed VHS on the wall. I've never put it on, but I was so proud that uh, we... we uh... Still on the plastic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, an, yeah. it's a beautiful... I mean, I had it professionally framed. <laughs> you know, there's a, movement, there's a movement on VH, on, uh, on DVD to package DVDs to look like, like VHSs. Yes. With, uh, with, with the, they, they, they copy the actual covers. Or sometimes they photograph what the actual cassette would look like, and then they yeah. put that on the top, and it's, it's just like VHS. <laughs> so, and, and there's certain kind of movies that people associate with VHS, and so they. Well, let's say, yeah, I have a great Blu-ray of, of Mandy, the Nicolas Cage film, and it's an AVHS package and so yeah. forth. Oh, cool! Uh, but uh, yeah, I like, I like to say, and I, I don't recognize the sort of retro return VHS stuff that's happened. I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry, we killed the medium. It's done. It's dead. I will take full credit for that. Vinyl yeah, came back. What? Vinyl, well, but yeah, but vinyl, vinyl sounds is good. Bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's no aesthetic defense for bringing back VHS. It's, it's yeah, dead. like you know, like cassette tapes came back ten years ago, not because it's more pleasurable to listen on cassette. It's just strictly nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight tracks ain't coming back. Though. Yeah, there's no. nobody complaining. Yes, that no. thing where they laser discs aren't coming back because laser discs are not coming back. That's right. All apologies to Betamax. Respect. <laughs> Which was better? Betamax was a better. That's medium. why. That's why. That's right. why they killed it. Yeah. Uh, well, Brendan. Brendan, thank you. Uh, thanks. Yes. Thanks for tolerating my uh, eclectic taste. And oh, that's fantastic! No, this no, it's great. It's, a, it's, on, it's our VHS episode. Yeah. No, absolutely. And many, many thanks to your mom. Um, just, uh, just, uh, <laughs> Hey, watch it, man. Sure. No, I'm saying wonderful mother. I, I think that's. Uh, uh, I agree. Uh, I, I agree am. I am. I love The movie is out now. Uh, the movie is out now. Yeah, don't be too is out now. And it's, thank uh, you for I, promoting it. I'm sure I it's on. Uh, it's it's actually playing in theaters, uh, yep. and it's yes. also available. It will on be, streaming. and it will be. It will on be VHS streaming. eventually. <laughs> everything, everything goes to the VHS grave. I will insist oh, on it. DVD, DVD. We killed VHS. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. We all know how important it is to keep your eye on the money, and not just your own. Stay on top of the latest financial and market news with Yahoo Finance, a podcast that releases new episodes almost every day. You'll hear a brief overview of the biggest news in the financial world, all in three minutes or less, right after markets close. Check out Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts. That's Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts.